0: To this latest episode of the Down the Pub podcast. What an incredible window it's been for Canada. Uh, three games uh, played, three games won, uh, no goals conceded, beat the US. Doesn't get much better than that. Um, <clears throat> you can almost feel that scorching heat from Qatar on your face. Uh, the, the Canadians are so close, so uh, congratulations to the Canadian team. Um, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon because Ireland had an awful awful qualification so um yeah um go canada go um on this week's show i'm joined by Alletico ottawa's uh new midfielder ollie bassett and um, me and ollie just have a chat about the move to ottawa which just came as a bit of a surprise because he had a, a pretty pretty good season with pacific uh last year so i was surprised to see him uh, to move so we look at the the hows and whys in behind the, the move. Uh, we take a little look at last season and um, how it went for Oli. Um, in the last call section of the show, I am joined by a long time Tottenham fan and technical director of suburban FC here in Halifax, uh, Ollie Hewish. Um, we take a look at Tottenham's transfer window. Um, we have a chat about Daniel Levy and his shenanigans. And we also, kind of look at where Tottenham need to go to um, to kind of get themselves back on track a little bit. Me and Ollie are also members of Nova Scotia Spurs. It's a new Tottenham supporters club here in Nova Scotia. Um, so if you are looking for punishment like me and Ollie, uh, reach out to the group and become a member. Um, you can find them on Twitter at Halifax Spurs. And it's also on Facebook to search for Nova Scotia Spurs and uh, join the group. Um, if you want to follow the show on social media, it's at Down the Pull Pod on Instagram and the Twitter. Um, if you want to give us a review and five stars on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. And also, if you can go to Spotify, if you're a Spotify person, um, I don't know how you sit on the fence with the whole Joe Rogan thing, but if you are a Spotify user, uh, if you can use a five star review, that would also be amazing. And there is merch available uh, with the new logo at redbubble.com. Just search for down the pub pod and you'll see mugs, t shirts, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so um, on with the show, my friends. And uh, yeah, here's uh, Ollie and Ollie. Cheers. Uh, I am joined at the bar uh, by Let's Go Ottawa's new signing, Ollie Bassett. Welcome to the show, Ollie.
1: Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: You're back in the UK right now. So, with the. On a longer uh canadian uh, off season how do you keep them fit um and how are things back home
1: yeah uh things are good i came back um just before christmas um kind of 15th 16th of december um so i kind of used the time that I came back until until christmas just to like spend with family and friends and stuff like that and then i've just been kind of doing my own thing training and stuff as of uh january the first so haven't been playing any games since I've been back. Um, really, just been um, doing individual stuff and then training a few times a week with with a team. And then, um, and then, yeah, I play I play futsal um, once a week, uh, one game a week, just to you know stay on top of like the the technical side of it. So yeah, that's pretty much you know what I've been doing uh, for the last few weeks now.
0: So, when you're playing futsal, is it like a competitive or is it just like a kind of pickup game? Because I'm just wondering if, you know, somebody might be like, okay, here's Bertie Big Bollocks, who he plays a professional, you know what I mean? And just like leave a yeah, for- yeah, Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. It's, so, I used to play, um, I used to play when I was younger all the way until I was about 15, 16. Um, wow. So, I haven't played for, you know, I haven't played futsal in, in years now just from like going um, to different clubs and, you know, living in different countries and stuff. But, yeah, since I've been back I just joined the old team that I used to play for and that's just like a national like a national league in in England. Um so that's a game every Sunday. Um just 20 minute halves and yeah, I just I've just been doing that me and my brother uh both playing the same team. So, yeah, we've just been playing that, you know, every week and it's good actually just to to play indoors again and like get get touch on the ball and yes, yeah, it's, it's something I really enjoy doing, so. Nice, nice. Um, so, uh,
0: as you mentioned, you've made the, the move to, to Ottawa from Pacific. So, what was it about their project in, in Ottawa that kind of attracted you to make the move?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Fernando kind of spoke to me and my agent um, uh, after the last game of the season against Forge um, and kind of just told me their their kind of plans for for the club and for myself and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, it's a new it's a new city. It's, uh, you know, they've got the, the connection with Um, You know, Atletico Madrid, and just from what I've been told, you know, it's pretty, pretty, uh, you know, well run and uh, professional club. So, yeah, I think they offered me a a slightly longer contract than than what I was maybe expecting to get, and I think that was obviously a um, definitely a, a benefit and you know, kind of a selling point for me to go there. But I think ultimately, I'm just trying to use it to to kind of play more minutes and, you know, play more regularly and really show what I can do um, over these next two, three years.
0: That was actually one of my questions, like, was having the security of, uh, I think you signed a two-year plus the option, like, a lot of players don't have that luxury in, in Canada. Like, um, that, they met, like, that must have like, that must be like, a huge selling point for you, really.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think up until this point um, in my career, like, not just with Pacific, but just in general, um, I've kind of been on, you know, short-term contracts and, you know, year by year, um, so I think to have like a little bit of extra um, security, you know, two years and then, you know, if you play well in the two years, you you have an option for, for 24 as well. Um, I think it gives you something to, you know, really uh, work towards, I guess. And, you know, if you knuckle down and, you know, put the work in, then, you know, hopefully uh, we can have we can have a good two, three, three years together. So, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to
0: it. Also gives you the chance, I guess, to like settle down a little bit, because I mean, like you've you've moved around so much. I mean, like you're in New Zealand, you're different clubs in England. Like that, just it must be just nice to have the the thought of that you can actually like get an apartment and just like it's yours. <laughs> you don't have to like worry about yeah, yeah, your bags yeah. and
1: moving again. Absolutely, yeah. I think that is a uh, something that maybe people don't really think about too much um, in terms of people that are maybe on the outside looking in. And um, I think as a player, it's something that's definitely like beneficial. Um, I think if you're comfortable like off the pitch and. Um, and stuff like that and I think you know and you're not worrying too much about stuff outside of um, outside of the pitch or the training the training pitch I think that definitely has has an impact you know kind of on, on your performances and your um, you know your standards uh, day in day out so yeah I think to have that that security and that um, kind of knowing that you know I have two maybe three years uh, with the same club I think that was like I said definitely a, a big a big reason and one of the the main factors in in signing for Ottawa
0: so on, on the flip side of that um obviously Ottawa don't have a manager right now the thing is you won't know what the system is you won't know what way the new manager is going to want to play and stuff like that like so did that kind of play in your mind a little bit that you're going to be like basically coming in cold because nobody knows like what the new manager wants to do
1: yeah I think there's obviously uh, pros and cons to, to everything really um ideally in an ideal world the manager would have been you know sorted and I could have you know had a chat with with the manager myself you know like I did before coming to Pacific with par but I think you know now the managers you know not been announced I think when he does come in everyone's kind of starting from scratch so I guess you know everyone's you know got approved to the manager whoever that may be you know the reason why they should be playing or you know the reason why you know they should be in the team so you know i think maybe everyone being on the the same kind of um level playing field in, in that respect um you know it could it could work you know in your favor as well so i think it's just about putting the work in and and really like showing and uh and demonstrating why why you should be on the pitch nice um
0: so you uh also you were playing with pacific last year so you're you're in england how did that move come about to come to canada like was it a call out of blue or is your agent that good that they got you moved to, to <laughs> Canada? <laughs>
1: um, honestly, it was pretty, I wasn't expecting it like at all um, to be fair. So the agent that I'm with now, my agent um, I've been with him the last two or three years now. Um, I got in contact with him um, when I was first playing in New Zealand. Um, so I went to New Zealand for, for two, two and a half years and I was you know, actively looking to try and get something in Canada. Um, and then it wasn't until I came back to the UK um, in 2020 when, you know, COVID started, um, you know, hitting and stuff like that. Um, and I actually had a deal um, lined up to go and play in, in Iceland in the top division um, nice. over there around a similar time that the thing with the Pacific came up. Um, so I was due to go there early 2021. Um, and I hadn't, I was pretty much, you know, very... Um, kind of set and you know I was pretty focused on on heading heading out there to play in in Scandinavia but you know Josh called me Josh my agent um, called me must have been you know middle of December you know completely out of the blue Um, and he kind of said you know Pacifica interested in signing you like would you be would you be interested in going over and then he set up a few phone calls apart and it really just went from there and the deal was was done you know fairly fairly quickly after that so yeah, I wasn't wasn't expecting it um, at all. To be fair, I didn't didn't have a clue it was coming.
0: So, uh, do you have a thing for the cold,
1: <laughs>
0: Iceland? Yeah, <and> I kinda...
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, never, I never, I didn't know what Iceland would be like. Um, to be fair, I just wanted to because I think at this point, I wanted to try and get back into playing um, full time because my time in New Zealand was mainly kind of amateur and and semi professional. Um, that move was that move came off the back of playing. Um, in England and I kind of wanted to get out of the UK for a little bit so that's where I decided to to go to New Zealand and, and experience something a little bit different um, but then I think after after playing there for a few years I think I was ready to hopefully get back into playing you know professionally and they were the one or they were the two options pretty much that I had Um, you know back end of 2020.
0: So you said that you had a few conversations with Pai he's a very enigmatic figure you know like he's um. Uh, he's also had a big move now down to to North Texas. So, what's what's he like on the day today? Like, I mean, like, what's a reg- what's a because he's kind of he built like such a great bond between all you guys. Like, so I just imagine him just being like like crazy because <laughs> he kind of he's got like a really outgoing personality. What's he like on the day today? What's a what's a training session like uh, with Pa?
1: Yeah. Um, firstly, I think his his like kind of man management um, is is very good in terms of like. Know managing the player but then also getting to know um, the player as like a person before you know a footballer and kind of understanding you know how they are off the pitch or like you know how they are with their family all that sort of stuff you know the little things that maybe some other managers might not do Um, so I think he really understands you as a person um, and you know what type of personality or an individual you are um, maybe before a player and then I think day in day out, he just wants the training to be um, kind of as as high intensity as possible. Um, he wants everyone to, you know, enjoy enjoy the sessions, but kind of enjoy, you know, putting the work in and, and working hard. Um, so I think that's what kind of what what he lived by, you know, the time he was at Pacific. And I think um, he 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 made he certainly I hope he made me a, a better footballer while I was there. And I think yeah, I'll always be kind of grateful for uh, to par because you know if it wasn't for for him then. You know, I might not have had the the opportunity to come and play in Canada, so things things may have been different. So, yeah, I have nothing nothing really bad to say about him, and yeah, I wish him all the best.
0: Nice. Um, so last year, uh, your first year in Canada, you kind of started off great guns in the uh, in in the bubble. I mean, like you scored your first game against Halifax. Boo. Um. So <laughs> so like. How 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 was that? The, the bubble obviously was like. I'm sure it was terrible having to live it like that way with the heat and all that kind of stuff. But how 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 did you find like quickly adapting to the to the to the game here like that that quickly? It was just it was is it like you've been playing here like for two years.
1: Yeah, um, I think firstly coming obviously to Canada in general, like um, to the CPL, I knew that it would be kind of a step up from um, New Zealand and what I was used to you know, the last two and a half years. Um but yeah, again, I think I was surprised at, you know, how, you know, competitive maybe the league was, you know, considering the league's only been going three or four years. I think the the standard and the the quality of some of the players um is 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 surprisingly like very good. Um and then obviously the bubble it was my first time um kind of starting the season in that kind of like environment. Um and I think obviously it's it's not ideal and it's not what we're used to but you know it's an, it was a new experience for for me and and some of the other you know new players into the league and at the time it might have been you know tough um you know physically and mentally but I think looking back um you, you know there are memories that all like kind of stay with you forever and stuff um <laughs> hopefully it, yeah hopefully it doesn't happen again but you know it was something that we had to get on with and yeah luckily our uh, um played a played a few games and you know we started well as a as a team and we just tried to carry the form that we we had in the bubble um kind of into the into the regular um you know home and away uh, market
0: so have you ever played in that kind of like heat before like where you know it was like was it like it was one day was like i think it was 35 40 degrees and that they're trying to move games to the nighttime and the smoke thing was happening the wildfires have you ever played in that kind of environment before
1: um maybe not that environment i've played in in similar heat obviously in new zealand and stuff um especially on turf as well i think it's even worse on turf when you're playing in that sort of heat but yeah with the fires and and that sort of stuff probably not but you know maybe a few times um in, in in the heat and the sun but you know not as often as as i would have um in the bubble that's for sure
0: so scoring your scoring in your first game against halifax uh Like pretty much a perfect start, but uh, what what was going through your head when that goal went in, and you kind of had that like adrenaline rush? Like, what was it like for you?
1: Yeah, I think um, just you know, from from what I can remember, um, (laughs) the ball kind of like got got cleared out or something to the edge of the box, and then I just like took a touch, um, and then I heard a couple guys just say shoot, and I just thought, you know, I'll I'll try, you you know, I'll try my luck from that far out, and. You know, luckily, it went in. I didn't actually see the ball go in until you know, I kind of heard it hit the back of the net. So, yeah, it was obviously a good feeling. That was my first um, kind of proper like professional goal. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely like one that I'll, um, I'll I'll probably never forget.
0: Amazing. So, you, you played like 20, 20 games, I think, when I looked it up earlier on for Pacific League like last year. Were you surprised at the amount of game time you, you, you were given? And how hard is it when you've got players like... Like Manny Aparicio, um and guys like that, like like biting at your heels the whole time. Like, you know, there was, there was a lot of competition. Um, is that a good thing for you, or like, how do you cope with that?
1: Yeah, I think certainly it's a, a good thing for, you know, the players and the management and the club in general. I think if you want to be like successful and, and win things, you need to have, you know, not just 11, you know, good quality players, but you need maybe 18, 20. So, you know everyone's always pushing each other in training every day, and you kind of know that if you're, you know, not performing or not playing well, then there's someone you know sitting sitting on the bench or, you know, not in the squad ready to take your place. Um, and yeah, I think it's just up to you as a as a player to perform to the best of your ability. You know when you're when you're playing, um, and I think you know over the course of the season, the guys that were playing though they, they didn't really. Um, you know dip out of form too much so it's very hard for a manager to to change a winning team and kind of change something that's working so you know if it's if it's working then kind of why change it and in the end it, it ultimately uh, paid off from from you know going all the way and kind of winning the winning the whole thing.
0: Did you, I think you had like a little bit of an injury uh, I think you were out for a couple of weeks like do you feel like that kind of set you back a little bit because you know sometimes when you come out of the team because you were playing like pretty much every game and then you kind of like towards the end you were kind of missing a couple of games here and there um do you think that kind of set you back a little bit um in your game time
1: um yeah maybe looking back i think it, it might have had or it definitely had you know some sort of an effect um not really want to make too many excuses so i don't want to blame it purely just on that um, i think you have to take responsibility sometimes for yourself and you know look at yourself before you know trying to find you know little excuses for why you weren't playing um but yeah, I think I was out for maybe four or five weeks with that and then came back from that, obviously took a little bit of time to get back into the, the swing of things. And then, you know, I played, you know, here and there, I think the, the game at home against Calgary and then a few other games after that, but maybe just couldn't really get back into the full, you know, swing of things like I was at the start of the season. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, that's that's pretty much, you know, what happened. That was the story of the the second half of the season for myself, but you no, know, I have have no complaints. Can't really look back in in disappointment and stuff like that. Especially you know after being part of a squad that you know won the won the CPL. So you can never really um, you know complain too much about that.
0: So where did you keep the medal?
1: Do you know what? When I came <laughs> back, the Chris- the Christmas tree was up. The Christmas tree was up, so my mum put it straight on the Christmas tree, oh, but when man. she, put, when she <laughs> took the tree down, um it's just on a on like a kitchen side table at the minute, um, <laughs> probably, <laughs> I'm probably oh going to get it, I'm probably going to get it framed, Um I've got a few shirts and stuff like that framed, so I think the medal will be the next one to, to kind of get framed and yeah, I'll keep that, keep that one at home.
0: I can I can just imagine you're like looking for your phone or your keys or something and your mad is saying to you like, hey, it's it's in the kitchen beside the medal.
1: Yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone that comes in. Everyone that comes in just, yeah, have a look. Here's the medal, here, here you go. But yeah, it's downstairs. But no, I think I think definitely it's gonna get um it's gonna get framed and and, and kept somewhere in the house, uh, for sure.
0: So, so I had Josh Herod on uh, just before Christmas, just after Christmas, I think. And uh, he was talking about the uh, the reception you guys received when you got back to BC and stuff like that. Like for yourself, like how how cool was that to come off the plane and all the fans were there and um, the celebrations and stuff like that went with everything?
1: So, <laughs> so I didn't actually go back after the final. <laughs> really? So, um, yeah, so a few of the boys that were like, the final was in was in Hamilton, um, you know, near Toronto. So a few of the Toronto, Toronto guys kind of stayed after the final and then obviously went straight home from there instead of going all the way back to BC okay. to get, go all the way back home. Uh, so I did the same because my girlfriend lives in Ottawa, which is obviously Ontario as well. So I stayed after the final um, and then stayed with her for a little bit before going back to the UK. Um, so I didn't actually fly back with, with the boys back to BC, but yeah, I saw videos and pictures and stuff like that on on Twitter and Instagram. So, yeah, I think the support they received obviously back home, um, you know, coming out of the airport must have been, you know, pretty cool. And yeah, we're just glad that we could have, you know, we were able to kind of put the work in over the course of the season and then, you know, deliver them the the trophy at the end. So yeah, it was it was really cool.
0: I, I think what you should do is uh, talk with the uh, the Lakeside Boys uh, when the next when Ottawa goes to, to Pacific. They should have some of the fans there waiting for you. You come out with your medal and they kinda of have the whole thing for you.
1: So <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. I'll get in touch with that.
0: So the this the celebrations afterwards, like in the dressing room all looked incredible. Like it was a um what was what was the emotions like in the dressing room afterwards? Like it does look like it was it was a lot of fun to be fair with you.
1: Yeah, I think like as soon as the whistle went, the the final whistle, it was just like I think nine, ten months of work for me, it just felt like all the, the the work during the season and you know, pre season and you know winning games, losing games, you know, getting injured, all that sort of stuff personally just kind of paid off even though I wasn't part of the final. Um, but I was just obviously delighted for all the players and the boys that and, and, and the coaching staff that had been, you know, part of the the journey since the start. So I think it was, yeah, just pure kind of um emotion after the game and then you know, we did the, the kind of trophy celebration thing on the pitch and then into the changing room um, after the game. And they'd put, I think like they'd put all like plastic around the the lockers and stuff like that. So when you pop the champagne, like no one's um, phones and clothes get wet. So, yeah, we just stayed in there, celebrated for 10, 15 minutes and then went um went straight downtown <laughs> well, not straight downtown, but went back to the hotel first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everybody banging a sweat. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah.
0: man, that does like that's something that you don't really see too much of, like back home when it comes to like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, like you don't really get to see, and it's a big thing here. And I think it's great for the fans to see like how much it means mm-hmm. to you guys to be able to actually do it. And you should never diminish the part you played in. You had a huge part in their in their season. Um, so it sounds like you're not leaving Pacific with any of your regrets. It sounds like you like you, you've you know, it's, uh, it was kind of like a mutual thing, but like, um, was there really option to stay in Pacific or we always kind of look, because you said your girlfriend lives in Ottawa, so was that always something playing on your mind?
1: Yeah, Um. well, I had my meeting with Par and stuff like that at the end of the season, and you know, we kind of spoke um, about my kind of current situation toward the end of the season, um, and by the time next season starts, you know, I'll be 24, um, so I need to be, ideally playing more games and playing more regularly than I was last year um so that was always going to be in the back of my mind kind of going into the meeting um but you know they left the door open they had an option kind of in my contract to keep me if they wanted to keep me um so they kind of yeah like I said left the door open for me to come back um but I just felt it was the right time to kind of move on and try and play you know more regularly um somewhere else and you know really try and show everyone you know next year what I can do in this league. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's any there's there's no better way to maybe leave a club than you know just winning the league and then leaving on kind of a note like that. So yeah, I don't have any bad um kind of bad feelings or intentions towards uh, Pacific or or the coaching staff there. I'll always be kind of grateful for for the opportunity for for bringing me to Canada and yeah, I'm just hoping now I can you know use these next few seasons to to really kick on.
0: I'll obviously finished like last 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 year. Are you expecting like things to push on? Like, I mean, like that day you got signed, they signed six players and they brought Kevin Alleman in and they did a bunch of like really decent professionals they brought in. So are you expecting the squad to kick on this year?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think with the team that we've currently got, um, I don't think it's like finalized in terms of the signings and stuff like that, but just from the players that they kept um last year and then obviously the new boys that they're they're adding in. Um I think firstly it will take time for you know guys to get to know each other's like personalities and stuff like that and you know how we play on the pitch. So it's going to take us time to kind of gel and stuff like that, but I think with the actual individual kind of quality um that that we've got and from what I've seen the other guys um in the league what what they can do um I think yeah we 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 we're, we're confident that you know we can kind of have a have a successful um year together and Hopefully, um, you know together we can kind of push the club um, closer to where it wants to be.
0: So th- my, uh, my my last my last question, but one. Um, so you're like in Canada, you play a lot of games close together. Like there's a it's 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 pretty grueling. I mean, especially like last year when you had like the bubble and then straight back out on the on the road and stuff like that. So how are you finding like coping with with that? Because obviously you're playing on turf as you mentioned so it's a harder surface so it's going to affect your joints and stuff like that and you're going from playing on grass in 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 england so how are you finding that many games like cramped together
1: yeah i think i think the the, obviously one of the main reasons why there was so many games last year is probably because the season kind of got pushed back and back and they wanted to get it finished by you know the end of november start of december Um, so I think because it got delayed, that was probably one of the main reasons why we were kind of playing every three or four days. Um, so last year it was kind of a case of, um, playing, playing a game, recovering, you know, traveling either to or from where we need to play, maybe train and then play again. And that was kind of our schedule for the majority of the season. Um, so I'm fingers crossed and I probably speak on behalf of, you know, a few other players or, you know, the majority of players in the league. Um, if the league, you know, kind of can start, you know, on time or, you know, the start of April, um, I think it will kind of give us, you know, a full kind of season. So uh, what I mean by that is uh, maybe a full week of training, like a normal week of training and then playing, you know, your game on the weekend with maybe a midweek game. Um, And I think that would be kind of very beneficial. And I think that would even take the standard up you know even higher because kind of not playing so many games in sh- such a short period of time um obviously not making any excuses because it's the same for kind of every team but i just think if we have like a full proper week of training leading up to a game um i think it'll be, it will be it will only do kind of good things for for the quality of the the football um in 2022 and it's, it's also
0: going to help like with, with injuries because, I mean, if you're playing every three or four days, you don't get that recovery time, especially if you're going to yeah. play on a plane for, like, it, there's no really close teams. It's like, like for Halifax, the closest is like Ottawa and it's like a three-hour three flight away. So it's kind of, um, I, I think that definitely the players need that. And I hope that when they do release the schedule, they've kind of factored all that kind of stuff into it. So my, my last question before I let you go, man, um, you're going to, Playing a five-a-side tournament from the players you've played with, who
1: makes your team? Players I've played. Do I have to include myself or? It's up to you, buddy. Oh, players I played with. All right. Um, I'll play a. a I'll have a one, one goalie, and then a defender, two midfielders, and an attacker. Boom. So I'll go for, in goal. I'll go Callum. I'll go Callum Irvin. Yeah. Rate. Right. I rate Callum very, very highly actually is kicking and distribution is probably one of the best that I've, I've played with for sure. Um, it, was tra- it was
0: a travesty. He wasn't named uh, as one of the nominations for the no, of last year. I don't, yeah. I don't understand
1: it, but Hey. Uh, we- yeah. When that came out, I think a few of the, a few of the boys were kind of surprised at that as well. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. That's yeah. That's the funny <laughs> one. <laughs> um, defen- defensively, I'll go, I'll go Lucas. Just on to TFC. I think he's you know got all the attributes to really kick on and, and play, you know, perform well in the MLS. So I think I'll take him in, in defense. Um like that's like that that move for him is
0: is amazing. And I think that uh it's a sign of how the CPL is working that he's probably a player that would have just been you you wouldn't have been noticed, to be honest. And now he's he's gonna be playing in the MLS. Yeah. So it shows the league works, so.
1: Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, midfield. Um, if I had to put myself in with someone else, I would go Josh Sheehan. So I used to play with this guy. Um, he was when I was at Yeovil, he came on loan um, from Swansea, and I think now he's playing. Is it well? He plays for the Wales national team, and he plays for Bolton in League One. Um, nice. And he's a top player. Yeah, he's a very, very good footballer. Um, so I put him in midfield. And then if I wasn't including myself, I'd probably go... I'll go another boy from back home that you've probably not heard of, but Jack Clark. Um, and he was with me at, at Villa in the academy. And he's now playing for uh, Chesterfield in the National League. But again, very, very good, like technically very good on the ball. Um, so I'll go them two maybe in midfield. And then up front, Well, um, oh, that's a tough one. That's tough. I'll go... Tavon Campbell isn't well again when I was at Yeovil, he was on loan from West Brom um, and I think he's just signed for Rochdale in League One so he's playing playing football league but again he was he was a a good uh, good forward uh, very tricky quick so yeah I'd put him up top probably
0: nice so uh, can you just recap your team for me
1: yeah so Callum in goal um, Lucas as the defender I'd go Josh and myself or Josh and Jack Clark um in midfield and then uh Tavon up front.
0: Amazing. Uh, that's a pretty sick team, man. Uh, I wish one day I could get all of these teams together because uh like some of the, the teams that people have come up with is incredible. So uh I just want to say like uh best of luck with this season coming forward, man. Good looking in way. Um hopefully I'll get to see you in Halifax and uh Bowie a few times and, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, man, uh thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um and enjoy the rest of your night.
1: Good. Thank you for having me, you too. All right, Desperados, last call. Well, I'm being serious, I'm being serious. No, <laughs> you, see, nah,
0: you see, I'm talking facts here. I don't do if, buts and maybes. I do absolutes. And, you know, like, if your aunt's that ball, she'd be your uncle. But she doesn't, so she's not. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I'm oh, 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 rubbish. I'm rubbish. I'm oh, 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 rubbish. I'm rubbish. I'm rubbish. I'm
1: rubbish.
0: I'm No, I'm rubbish. I'm rubbish. You know, it could amount to challenge even at the end of the game there when we're chasing
2: them. It was just absolutely pathetic for
0: Manchester United. It was absolutely pathetic So uh Welcome to this section of the show, the uh, the last call, our new section where we talk to regular folks, uh, although today's guest isn't regular. Uh, today I've got uh, Ollie Hughes, who's uh, the technical director of Suburban FC in Halifax. And We're going to talk some Tottenham. Welcome to the show, Ollie.
2: Perfect. Thanks for having me, Anthony.
0: Really, uh, really excited to uh, to start crying now in a couple of minutes talking about Tottenham. Um, so, <laughs> I, I, I kind of wanted to uh, just just talk a little bit about uh, the players we brought in and, and stuff like that. So, we brought in Dejan Kulusevski and Rodrigo Bentancur. Um, so, what are your thoughts about the players we've uh, we signed?
2: Yeah, I think the the two type of players that have been needed, um, two type of guys that they fit Conte's system, I don't know if we would have all said that they were top one and two choices, especially with some of the big names they were linked with. Uh, but the more I kind of do my homework on it as well as you do with the the Googling, as Danny Rose said, um, the more I think it fits fits what Conte needs um, in comparison to who's going out. It's a different profile, but I think it's a Conte profile and I think it's a, uh, a needed Tottenham profile. We'll say that as well. So.
0: so so do you think this is going to change the, the kind of system that he has right now like he's going to change it up a little bit
2: yeah I mean Benton Core especially I think I've had a lot of questions around me where does he fit in that trio midfield that's been playing um, but I think they're more suited to Conte's system. Like, you've, if you look at his previous teams, there's always been, you've always had those, those boxer box midfielders where Tottenham has more predominant 6 i I'd say a couple of sixes and Skip, skip and Winks, um, and even Hoiberg as well. But I think all three of them have had to be playing as more of an eight in the uh, the last couple of weeks. So I think Ben can fit that profile. I think Skip's been doing it, and I know Hoiberg does it for Sweden. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, they all fit the uh, profile, and hopefully, uh, oh, yeah, it should. Don't want to change the system too much because I know he's not ever going to move away from it. But I think it uh, <laughs> suits him a bit. Suits him a bit more as well.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think that. um Like we've basically had the, the like the same type of player Winks, Heiberg, and, and Skip just playing in that system. We've kind of missed having, I guess, the old Delhi Alley role of like you know like that kind of free Roman midfielder who can play a play a pass in behind. Um, so do you think that's what Benson Kerr can can bring to the to the team?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I think if you look at. That, especially going back to that boy, Conte plays. I think you have to adapt the system. The day, the poch days of Ericsson's and Deli Ali's roaming around and having that stay-at-home security of two holders, and whether it was one Yama, Dembele, and the, obviously the the get-out-jail-free card with Carl Walker and Danny Rose. I think those days have gone. So I think the the and I think the Premier League changed as well. The demand. I know it sounds stupid, two or three years, but the the, the league changed. Um, the demands on the midfielder is night and day what it used to be um so i think yeah the, the, the roles have had to adapt and i think this uh this suits especially the team now without the uh some of the names of previous seasons and yeah i think it's uh it's one to watch i'd say
0: so uh where does uh Kurozeski fit into all of this like what what type of player is he and um where do you see him sliding into the into the formation
2: yeah i, I mean i've seen a few different games from him whether it was with his national program or uh, with juventus and i know especially especially before he had a couple injuries and when he had a young player there and everything. He he sits, honestly, in a, in a Conte system, I think, anywhere in that front three. Um, and I think if you look at the front three, whether it's Son, Kane, Lucas and Bogdan when he came in, they kind of had a, a free central role. Um, Conte allows lots of interchange and runs from deep. Um, so I think he just sits in that front three, wherever it is, obviously around more of a, a statue in Kane with kind of where he's coming. And then, yeah, just operate where he wants to operate. I know previously comes out, his preference anyway was to go out wide on the right and come in. Um, but yeah, wherever he uh, kind of sees fit in the system, I'd say.
0: And do you think that he's got some goals in him?
2: Oh, let's hope so. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's hope so. No, he seems uh, he seems hungry. He's an attacker and I know even in the interviews he's insane. He just wants goals. Um, he wants to score for the club. Wants to That's his kind of ambition um, where I think there isn't really outside of Kane and Son. There's no ruthless uh, ruthless goal scoring in it. So I think anyone that's got a hunger for goal and the end of the day if you're an attacker that has to be number one in your head right so I think that will uh that will bring something different to the team which we don't really have right now so
0: so um obviously like one of the players I was talking about leaving that state because he had a little bit of a renaissance in the last week or two or the last couple of weeks is uh Stephen Bergwine. so do you see him becoming a regular now or do you see him like just st- kind of still doing the backup thing or like how do you see uh Stevie B fitting into everything
2: I, I see. I like Stevie B, I like he's dynamic. He's dimensional He can play in behind, play to feet. Um, confidence has been dead for him, I think um, over the last few seasons, especially with injuries and in and out of teams, different managers. Um, and I think obviously there was some time where he had a couple extra pounds on that he had to uh, <laughs> shut off. Um, but I think he's someone that can, like Conte said, he's a special player and that there's no one really else like him in the system. Lucas Moura is probably the only one like him in the sense of he's quick feet, quick in spaces, um, but I do think that Bogdan could become a regular. Maybe it's like the Sun Roll or the early days where he came on second half, kind of understood that it would change the dynamics of the game. Um, but I think he does need to need to take his role on with the club now because he's clearly someone special. Especially if they turn down the money that uh, the rumors were anyway that Ajax was saying. So
0: yeah, like I, I was kind of happy. I feel like he's never had a kind of proper run of games or a proper um, uh, like. A proper go at it like i feel like he's always kind of like been on the the periphery of it and like it's kind of mm-hmm. that, ge- that game was the game that you needed like the last that, those two goals against leicester um but I, I think as well like another revelation this season has been lucas Moore in this uh th- this new system um like do you see like do you see him being starting to come in with more goals as well because like i think that's one of our big issues is that when Kane and Son are out, where do the goals come from? <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's been a problem for a while now. But um, do you think that like uh, Lucas will start playing like like more um in in the role that he's in, and do you see him uh, bagging in some goals too?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I think the way Lucas Morris had to play under whether it's quote unquote defensive Mourinho, um, Nuno don't even want to get into, um, and now <laughs> uh, <laughs> now with uh, Conte, I think. He's had to change his role. He's gone from geez, at PSG, who was traditionally a right midfielder in an old 4 at some point, um, playing out wide, kind of isolated, using those skills. But as he's adapted into more of a, a 10, an attacking midfield, um, I think he's going to get the opportunities. I think he's, he's, a, he's a lovable guy, a lovable player, right? Um, but I think with these midfielders now that can hopefully give a bit more to him to allow him to stay up the pitch, and that's the same with Sonny and Kane. Um, I think they'll be able to provide it for him so he doesn't have to come deep. He can kind of focus on that that, that piece he just said, on that attacking thing uh, side of it. So I think, yeah, this uh, these moves will benefit him just as much as anyone else.
0: Yeah, like I, he he posted like yesterday, he's, he was at the club for uh, four years. And being honest, like after the first little bit, it felt like he wasn't going to be here for that long. And uh, he's, just, he's just a guy that just gives it all. And I think that's the type of player that, and dombley wasn't you know like um like lucas is a really skillful player but he's willing to do a job that probably he never expected to be doing at tottenham where he's like tracking back and and doing that kind of stuff so speaking of that on dombley what what do you think of the the move like to uh to loan him out and potentially get was a 60 million euros for him or something like that so yeah um, they
2: got 65 i think upwards of <sighs> yeah so mad what, money what, what, mad what did, money what, what did you think of that Oh, I think you just, yeah, I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think the way Lucas is compared to a player like Ndombele, yeah, he may not have the more potential and skillful and kind of the flair of him, but I think he's a Tottenham player at the end of the day. He puts, leaves it all out on the pitch. And Like, for a club that recently hasn't had as much success silverware-wise, I think it's that's what that's all that we want to see. Uh, we want to see you put the effort in, care for the badge. Like You see how much he loves the club. When he posted that... Uh, four years thing, I thought it was a goodbye message at first. So as soon as I opened <laughs> it, my my chest kind of stopped a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, but obviously, like, recent moments, especially for me anyway, like, obviously, Amsterdam, Ajax, that was a special one. Um So when it, in Lucas more terms, like, that's the player you want to leave it off for the club, and, and Dumblay just wasn't that. You could see after Pochettino he wasn't playing, like, eyebrows were raised. Mourinho, eyebrows were raised. Ryan Mason was even dropping players, like, dropping in for other players. So I think at the end of the day, the people try to kind of frame it away from him the guy obviously has attitude problems didn't want to be there didn't want to train well they said his fitness was atrocious um but you saw those moments of brilliance right so he's still he's still young he's what 24 i think it is now um so his, his career is not by finish and maybe one day he can come back and play for tottenham again but he needs to uh needs to change his game around he's uh, he's obviously we, we can see how good he is and you see him when he's in the french national team um before again he was dropped for people raising questions why but there's obviously a theme going on uh, but yep 65 million if they can get that for him then uh, great but if he doesn't prove himself in the next few months Leon's not going to uh, put up with it either right so it's a shame because I was I was obviously his biggest one of his biggest fans when he came in because I'd seen him playing against uh, Man City and Champions League I remember that absolutely running the midfield um, and obviously it was kind of that era Poch's end with Lissel So obviously another disappointing one going out um, but when those two came in I thought it was a replacement for Eriksen for Dembele but didn't cut it in the end, so disappointed.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, uh, Ndombele has been, like, um, a, a disaster, to be honest. Like, I, I think it was in the Mourinho, like, when uh, the Tottenham documentary with Amazon, uh, where Andomble was, like, talking about potentially wanting to leave, he's homesick and, and all that kind of stuff. And it just seems like he's never settled in the, the squad. Like, obviously, Tottenham themselves haven't the helped things by having, like, four managers in the, the space of time he's been there. But... You know, it's, it's just his attitude. Like, the, the coming off against Morecambe. Like, I mean, like, he had an awful game against Morecambe. Like, it's Morecambe. You know, like, he should be running the game. Um, and to see the way he trudged off, just kind of said it all. And you could kind of tell that was him pretty much done. So, as you mentioned, we got, like, Lo has gone. Um, I'll get on to Delhi in a second. Um, like, mm-hmm. so one of the big things from this window was is that we need to move to Deadwood, as, as people have been kind of calling them um we've got rid of four we brought in two so do you think do you think the squad is kind of a little bit light um with the amount of people the players who've let out? but like on the flip side obviously they they kind of weren't doing the business either so um do you think we're a bit light or do you think it was a good thing just to let the 4 then get out there
2: it's good to get them going i know we we've spoken like The whole Pochettino rebuild thing, we're we're finally doing it somehow. Um, I think the quality's gone up, the quantity's gone down. Like, it's a shallow squad now, in a sense. Like, one or two injuries, they may be in trouble. But at the end of the day, if if it's—if we we talk about Canada, we look at Canada soccer right now, we look at culture, we look at identity. I'm sure Conte would rather have four guys and a couple kids that are 100% bought in than have 10, 11, 12 guys hanging around that you can't really rely on, you don't know if you can play them. And on the financial side, they're racking in, I think, those four guys that left would have cost 29, 30 mil for the rest of the season. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah, I think we are light squad-wise, especially with a couple cup competitions still to go, um, or cup and league, one of them. Um, but I'd rather uh, get the change moving and get the deadwood out. So
0: Yeah, the, the thing for me, though, is that the, the spectre of them is still there. Like the, They haven't actually gone because they've all gone out alone. Um, yeah. so, so like I just feel like uh, like, like the, Brian, the, the Brian Gill one was, I, I think – Puzzled me a little bit because I thought that he was, you know, I think would have done him good to be around the squad. I, I think sending him back to Spain,
2: he's not going to learn. Yeah, that's, anything. that's the thing. The Spain thing gets me. That yeah. that that one. It's he needs English experience, whether it's Championship, Premiership, and there's the loads. The, the thing that gets me, there's loads of teams that would have taken him. Like you've seen the moments of brilliance from him. Like surely uh, a Norwich could have used him as a bit of flair. Or Watford, someone around, even if he's local, uh, another London club to keep him, keep him in the UK. Just uh, it's a whole different game, right? I think the Spanish one. Uh, Maybe it's another homesick scenario. I don't know. I don't want to, I, obviously we don't get the insides, but yeah, that's the only one that's uh, tickled me a little bit. So.
0: Yeah. Cause I saw that like, like, uh, like Lamar, like Le- Le- wherever it is, the Spanish newspaper had posted a thing about him, like hating it at Tottenham. And then he posted it and going, like he actually said like, that's not true. So I don't think he was homesick because mm-hmm. uh, like on like is there and stuff like that. I, 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 for me, it would have been cool to see him go to Fulham or to, to Bournemouth or something like that. Have a bit of success, like go up into our Premier League, you know, just kind of have that rest of the season, getting used to the the rough and tumble of it all. I just, I don't get it, but I, I'm glad that we didn't sell him because I think he is definitely one for the future. But moving to, to Delhi, like were you surprised that we sold him and didn't loan him.
2: Yeah so I'm, I'm surprised for the sense that technically it's 0 million right now right like I think it's a, it's a free fee obviously until it's games played accolades blah 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 um yeah he's another one I was a big big Delhi big Delhi fan like especially jeez he was unbelievable in that 20 2012 season no 2012 yeah 2012 13 season I guess it would have been and that, like the whole Poch era, but she, I was thinking about it today, so 2019, he really hasn't been himself. We've had these periods of rejuvenation, the Mourinho one probably sticking out the most, um, but he went from top of the game, England national and like you brought up earlier, on the Amazon documentary, Jose hit it nail on the head, um, said if you don't kind of pull your finger out, and you just see him on the sidelines, and I get this is, a, this is another Beckham thing, he's in the fashion stuff, he's in all the modelling, he's got the earrings, he's got the new haircut everywhere I get, that's a piece of it now, but you don't have someone, like, this isn't a form thing. This is, I think, for him, he, ne- he needed a move. Um, obviously, the money isn't great now, but I reckon if Frank gets his uh, form back up for him, we can make that back. I think it climbs up to, you know, just under 50 million euros, I think, just under it, which is great. Um, sad to see him go. Obviously, it's a nostalgic piece with all of his good times and the great memories he's given, but I don't see him fitting in a contest system anytime soon. And, again, going back to that, Difficult rebuild that Poch spoke about. It's gonna have to be done if uh, Tottenham want to move on. So yeah, not nice to see him go. And all the videos or <laughs> the videos coming on today are uh, nice and emotional and everything. But growing pains, right? So
0: yeah, I, I think when Poch talked about the rebuild, I don't think Deli Ali was one of the players that he thought about would have to go. But it's been a disaster. Like as you mentioned, that that couple of games at, at the start of the Mourinho thing, and then he just went off the boil again. And it's it was like just. Um, it just seems like nobody was able to get anything out of him and I understand like he's obviously because I think in his going away message he said thanks a lot to Pochettino and his staff he didn't mention anybody else so that kind of told you I think he didn't like Mm -hmm. the systems that he was in but you got to adapt and that's the thing is like when Mourinho comes in and when um, Conte comes in you know they're going to have an Italian kind of style like like, Mourinho's got really Italian style of Way he plays football, yeah. Um, so it's, you've got to adapt. It's the modern game. You, you, it's just you can't just be a one-dimensional player all the time. So I was really sad too. Like some of the videos were like ridiculous. <laughs> you know,
2: <laughs> yeah, lots of onions being cut that day. No, yeah. uh, no, you <laughs> I think systems-wise, like we spoke us spoke earlier on, like the Pushino system was was special. Like they had the balance between the fullbacks flying up and down. The two at the time probably top ten, top five centre backs in the world. Two holding midfielders at not many guys are getting by Ericsson, one of the most creative time players in in the world at the period and obviously young Kane son um, lamella coming off the bench delhi in that free role and I think the system again not taking anything away from that system helped in big time um, but there's not many coaches and teams that I think play with that with a player that can have that freedom and I think the Premier League even like I said that in the t- last couple of seasons has changed that you, there's not many free roamers left. Um, You have to, every team has to have to, like the game's become such transition driven. Um, the athleticism has been climbing like mad in the league. Um, and I don't think a player like Delhi, unless he becomes a false nine where you probably could do it, there's not many systems where you can kind of freely move. Um, so I think that Potch one definitely helped him out. Um, whether Frank's going to change it, and I know they brought in Van Der Beek as well, and they've already got that kind of, I know Frank's obviously the way he had it at Chelsea with Mount kind of in that free roll, maybe he could do it. Uh, But yeah, I think, like you said, that, that change to a more defensive work rate demanding kind of all round team style uh, didn't help him out. So
0: I I just, I just wonder like, you know, um, like just speaking of Everton really quickly, like, like Lampard, he can't really go in and have the same system out of Chelsea because like during a relegation dogfight, because Newcastle are, have like spent a hundred and something million, yeah. so, so <laughs> the they're rest, gonna, yeah. and Norwich have pulled a, a couple of good uh, results together too. So I mean they brought in two really creative guys, which I get, but like it's their defensive frailty that's the problem. And, and I don't think Donny Van de Beek and Deli Ali are going to be the guys that are going to be like making crunching tackles in midfield and stuff like that. So I just wonder like if Frank's even going to give him that role because he's going to have to play. Def- like I can't see him like being wide open. So so that's. Yeah. Got- I, I'm, I'm surprised that we let him go like on, on like, I know that everything had to do with some financial mm-hmm. jiggery pokey because they're in, in going to be in breach of financial fair play pretty soon but I just, I, for me I just thought we would have let him go on loan trying to get his thing back together and then just you know, try and get rid of him in the summer if that had to work out, I just you know, back, to Potch,
2: back to Potch, back to Poch even. I thought that would have been yeah. Get him to PSG, like the slower league, you know, back to the, in a team that you don't have to defend really. <laughs> yeah, back it's in true. A coach that he knows, right? I thought that, and that wasn't even on the table. I think that may even tell you a bit more, right? Maybe Poch knows what's going on. Maybe he knows like he needs a, another step down. Maybe he wants to stay in England. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, the Everton one again. I, I didn't even think it made sense. I thought there was better uh, options for him, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's sad, and you know, especially for someone that was at the, she's playing at a World Cup at 21, and yeah, scoring goals and qualifiers and everything. But yeah, I, I think
0: that's just a the nostalgia part of me. Like, because the worst thing yeah. for me would be to <laughs> see him go off and play really well somewhere else. And it's like knowing, like that he was like, I always thought he was going to be like Tottenham until till he retired. But hey, that's oh, yeah. it. I guess that's football now. So just just looking at the the transfer window, and if you. If, you're, if you follow any Tottenham accounts on, on, mm-hmm. on Twitter or whatever, there hasn't been a happy camp. There was like, I think 30 people showed up for protests outside Spurs Lodge and uh, like we're shouting for Daniel Levy to go and stuff like that. But like, how frustrating has it been? Like, like I mean, we're part of like a, a group chat with Nova Scotia Spurs and even mm-hmm. in there, like, I mean, like we're all like pissing them on, and, and it's like Daniel Levy does it to us every time. So, like, why does he leave everything so late? Like, does he think that, like, he's Donald Trump and he's like, I can make any deal in the world kind of thing? Like, what, what, what's the, what do you think is the reason behind what he's trying to do?
2: <laughs> oh god, Got to be careful though how I say this. But, yeah, no, it's, it's a strange one. I was sitting in bed yesterday and I have a little stack of old magazines and stuff, books and everything. And I found an old match program from, I think it was like, it was an old one. Ledley was on the front. And I remember I just flipped, I don't know when I got that, flipped it open and it was a little chairman's message in the front. It was saying how we want to make this football club. Like we want to invest. We're so enthusiastic. Like we want to build the best team. I'm like, this is, and that was at least 12, 15 years ago. And I'm thinking, okay, like he's, he's a businessman. We know that. And we know his initial kind of approach when he came in. Um, But it just makes me think we all know he's, he doesn't really care about the club. He's in a sense of what's going on on the pitch. He wants to see the, the checks and the bounces and all that, all that stuff going on. So I think for me, it's I think it is that a Trump kind of approach. He just wants to have that big businessman persona about it. It's not they're never going to be in a rush. Like we know the money that's in the club. You can find all the data online. Like they they've made some of the most money they have, even with the stadium out of the whole league. Um, the, the cash is there. They're building hotels. When last I was back in two thousand nineteen and just getting off at. Uh, White Hart Lane Station, like it's ridiculous the amount of development that's going up around it hotels, cinemas, like the whole place has been gentrified, we'll even say. Like it's you would never picture it to the old ground. So I think we all know like his side of it and what he's hired. At the end of the day, he's working for Enoch and the money, making the money, not necessarily bringing the trophies. Um, But they said, comes to the stadium, you got to fill it nice with the furniture and the players and everything. But for him, it's the money could have been spent, and it's it's the I get fooled every single window by it, and I'll get fooled like in the summertime as well <laughs> when we get linked with all these hundred million players. But we know that hopes you're going to get hopes up, and he's just going to keep playing It's it's frustrating, I know. Like you said in the group, I think, and across social media, everyone's got the same sentiments, and the protests are going to happen, and people are going to boo. But what comes with this new stadium, you're also getting the tourists. So if ten thousand real supporters don't show up, ten thousand tourists are going to show up. So at the end of the day, to him, it doesn't matter. So it's, uh, it's sad, but yeah, it's the way it is, I guess. It,
0: it just feels like the, uh, this, the stadium is like, like obviously it's beautiful and like, it's the mm-hmm. envy of every other team, but it's like, I, I just feel like we're, we're killing ourselves off the back of it. You know, It's was like, uh, as you said, like, it's basically like the, the business now is the stadium that the, the club is kind of like secondary to what the stadium and the, the periphery, like the, the, the ancillaries that come with that, like, whereas like, you know, like the hotels and, Property developer like talking about apartments and whatever shit he was going on about the other day. Like, I, I just feel really like, like, it's, it's just so heartbreaking to see that we've it's betrayal. Yeah. yeah like, we've, 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 we've fucked, like, he's fucked us over. Like, so, like, you know, we had like, I mean, my, my friend, uh, my friend's a Liverpool fan, and we were talking, like, when Pochettino and Klopp were kind of around the same time, and the changes that Klopp was allowed to make in two or three years of his time there, like, the squad just, completely changed and we literally had the same squad three years later um, still do <laughs> yeah exactly like we're like you know we're, 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 we've are we're got so many hangers on at the club um but at the same time though we haven't invested properly and it's i, I feel like daniel levy is still living off the van de vart deal and he's like you know he's like you know i brought in this spectacular player for us blah blah blah, blah. but i mean like that's 10 years ago and yep. we haven't had anybody since. Like, how many, how many transfers? Of, like, have we actually like, you would look at and go, that's been a, a fantastic deal for us. Like, like, there's not like, like, Sanchez costs us, like a good bit of money, but he he's been ropey to say the least. You know, like, Brian, some was a good investment, but yep. that was a punt.
2: You know. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That's risk. That would that you never knew that was going to happen. That wasn't a high name necessarily, right? Yeah. Um, I- yeah. I think if you if you if you ask a question, and I always use this against my Chelsea friend fans like we built a billion pound stadium they put the same amount of money in the squad right like yeah they have a tin can Stanford for bridge and it's not as nice as it could be and they could have a white art lane like we have now but they put the money money where the mouth is they put it on the pitch they gave the manager the money and they went and won everything and I think if you asked any tottenham fan would you rather this beautiful spaceship stadium that the pints pour themselves and the seats are heated <laughs> or would you rather would you rather have given 200 million to poch I think we'd all know how most people answer that one right and i think that's what it comes down to me is it just signifies they they don't really give a monkeys about that they want to build the club they want to build the name make the money and then just hope like you said with the suns with the geez with the delhi alleys the five million players with uh geez you look at even in the squad now like big names that you they really brought in hoiberg was southampton captain like cool like not really much sanchez like you said was a big money but wasn't proven, hadn't really done it outside of the uh, Dutch league. Lucas Moura was kind of a, a failing PSG player. Obviously, we love him now and everything, um, but there hasn't been that, like you said, that va- <clears throat> that Van der Vaart or even so- anyone coming in the Gascoigne days, the Hoddle days, like that hasn't happened since Enix been in, right? And I think it the fans want change, and it's yeah, when does it happen is a question? So
0: I, I feel like it's going to get ugly. Like I mean, like we've seen like fat like the, the Everton fans, like you know. Um, I was talking to my buddy who runs the Everton, Nova Scotia thing, like last week, Dave Robinson. And he, he, even he was saying like, he can't fault the owner. Cause he's put the money in. He's put it in in all the wrong places. Like, mm-hmm, like he's given, mm-hmm. like he's brought on poor managers who have like spent a lot of money. Whereas we've had. Okayish managers and a really great manager. And we have a really good manager now. And we're just not getting the money to, to go and do it. Like I, I'd love to be in, in that conversation to hear what Daniel Levy said to Conte to get him to sign um when he came on board. Like I feel like he just he's blind, he's like he's fully. It's of gotta shit. be blackmail.
2: Yeah, it's gotta <laughs> be blackmail. Something I've I yeah, and I keep reading all this stuff about him leaving if he doesn't get back in the summer and everything. But like I wanna believe Conte, I wanna believe his passion, I wanna believe but now when I hear him start saying it takes two, three years to rebuild, it's like, uh, my friend, you've signed a two-year contract. Like let's uh, yeah. to speed this up. And we like like it's it's the fact that we have the money and we could do it, it's just I can't be asked to do it. Um, that's that's what just gets me, and it's the, one of the biggest clubs in the world, right? But and then people want to say sleeping giant and things like that. Well, giants die of old age eventually, right? So.
0: <laughs> I, I, and like that's the thing though like, like obviously it's difficult to win trophies because Manchester United approved it but they've put the money in though you know like like the money they spent on players like is ridiculous I think they've spent more than Man City and Chelsea in the yep. last couple of years oh, like yeah. trying, to, yep. trying to catch up so I know people I know the Man United fans hate the Glazers but like at least they put money into the squad we haven't like, I just feel like, you know, like we, we we've spent 10 million on Jack Clark and like, I think the kids played four games for us and you can tell. I never will. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like he's not. And that was just another Delhi alley punt. That's all it is. It's uh, it's kind of sad. So, like, I mean, just looking at, just see this window alone. Like, I mean, like we've kind of been made to look foolish. I thought like, I mean like the Troyer the Troy one, like the DS was such a slap in the face. Like, oh, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, like, do you think that we would have, do you think these guys were always destined to go somewhere else? Or, like, did we just set it up for Liverpool and Barcelona to swoop in?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that, that's a tough one. I think the more I read into the Diaz one as well, it seemed like, the like. I know Fabrizio made a couple comments about it saying the finances were never the problem. Like, it was the the deal was always agreed between us and Porto and even the trier one, but it just seemed like the players wanted other direction. Do I blame them? No. If I'm Diaz, would I rather go to Liverpool and probably win something this season. Yeah. If I'm Charlie, what do I want to go back to Spain? Yeah, probably. But at the same time, it's, I think the club uses a smoke screen to keep the fans happy. Oh, we're linked with ABCD. And even that, the non-league player that they wanted to get, oh, from God. Uh, Lewis, uh, like Arsenal oh. fan mugged off Kane. And then he's the one that turned it down because we wouldn't pay him. Um, so I think it's, it's that stuff that pisses me off. Even the, uh, Dylan Markandey, the under the under uh, twenty three player, leading goal scorer in under twenty threes, scoring for fun, coming back from injury, has said he's a lifelong Spurs fan, wants to play his whole career with Tottenham, And then we sell him for I think it was what five hundred k to Blackburn, seven hundred fifty k. Like, what, what's the point? And that that's the stuff that pisses me off. But like you said, I'm trying to <laughs> I've been trying to keep positive my whole life with this bloody team. But at the end of the day, it's uh, things. You hope things have to change, but yeah, it's yeah. Who who knows what uh, what tomorrow holds?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, like it, it, it was just like one like uppercut after another. Like the Trarary one, like like we went in with like fifteen million, which which like although he's got like not long left on his on his contract was an, an insult to Wolves. The fact that they would still keep talking to us was amazing to me. The Diaz one. Like we, there was like I think at one stage it was a ten million difference, and I just feel like like had we gone in and like negotiated properly, like the way like a, a proper club does, like Liverpool, there was no talk of Liverpool trying to cheapskate it, and it's always we're trying to cheapskate it, and I think that all stands from Daniel Levy like thinking that he's the, the <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. it's like it's it, it's embarrassing the club, but you know, it's um I, I just I really don't understand it. Like I know we were linked with Murata, like uh, which I I thought was bullshit like I never thought that was going to happen um, but yeah so I mean like like overall like we still seem to be short in the positions that we needed so yep. you're, you're, you're Conte uh, Harry Kane and Son get injured what's your plan?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah it's well we're still trying to replace Bale we're still trying to replace Bale's replacement which was Lamella we're still then trying to replace Bale again like we haven't we haven't done what they need to do um, I think you look at even before Harry came along, he was, they needed a center forward, right? They sold Dado. They'd added Bio, they had add They had these guys that they were never good enough. They were lucky and struck gold that Harry came through the academy. Um, so they never had to spend the money. Once again, he gets injured, which he does on an annual basis. What happens then? Son's injured now, what they say is back. But if those two are out, like, it's Bergwijn. Yeah, we, we we like him. He's promising. We want to stick around. Is he going to replace those goals? No. Do we need a backup? Yeah. You look at Liverpool. They didn't need Diaz, but does he supplement them and help them get to the next level? 100%. You look at Chelsea. They've got £300 million of strikers on the bench. They sold Tammy Abraham because they didn't need him. He was so close, right? So I think if the, the, the big thing with me is if we want to compete with these clubs, we have to do the same as them. Um, so even like Morata. We're linked with someone like Morata and even the two new signings, I don't want to to understand with this one, but if he's not good enough for one of these top teams, he shouldn't be good enough for us, right? Um, And that's that's my mentality with it. And it's but like you said, it's what do they do if that happens? Every year, I keep thinking they have to help him, they have to back him, they have to replace them. But clearly, um, once again, we've uh, we've been told not so.
0: It just like it just scares me. Like I mean, like I just mentioned, like Diaz coming into to Liverpool, like they already had Jota. Like I mean, like they've got. They've got like such like, you know, like Salah and Mane go off to um, the African Cup of Nations. Mm -hmm. They struggle for the first game and then everything just kind of set itself and everything was hunky dory. Like that's the thing for me is that like had we lost three or four players we'd be fucked because there's yeah. there's nobody yeah, nobody on the bench like I think like when the last ben- the, the last bench we had like Dane Scarlett on there and we had like somebody else from the academy Harvey White
2: and-, and those guys yeah yeah
0: yeah and it's promising but like what a toxic atmosphere to have to come into like when the team's been booed off the pitch because they're they haven't been playing well and, and so I just I, I think I think what needs to happen is that like Tottenham fans need to stand up a little bit more and I think we need to have those protests where it's like as you said you get the tourists in but the hardcore fans yep. are always going to be there and it's them yep. that's suffering you know it's like you, yep. Yep. I think the only other team that's had a probably a worse win than us is Arsenal like
2: which is fantastic yeah, yeah. 100%
0: <laughs> like uh, yep. seeing seeing uh, Obamian like just torn up at the Barcelona with the hope of a deal coming through, was like, um, who was it? Was there, was, I think it was, was with Harry Redknapp, somebody, um, was it Peter Aud- yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember a... the exact one, yep. That's literally yeah. what's happened there. He's just like torn yeah. up in the hope that, yeah, showed up. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> happening. Oh, I was, yeah, I was creasing. Someone made uh, like a comparable timeline video with that, and that, that would have been nice. <laughs> I would have liked that. No, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I think it's you, you talk about that sense when it even when it comes to the personnel, but again, I'm going to put, relate this to the whole Canadian scene right now. You look at cultures of teams, you look at Liverpool, right? They lose Salamane if they bring in Jota, they bring in Harvey White, they bring in geez, Alex Oxley-Chamberlain. Liverpool play the same way. It's the same system. You take someone out. You put some, If it's a Rigi for Firmino, if it's Gomez for Van Dyke, if it's Henderson for Fabinho, it's the exact same system, exact same team. Um, a lot like I witnessed with the Canadian team the other night. It, it was not necessarily formations, the same system, but the principles, the identity. It, you you knew that was a Canadian team. Same thing with Liverpool. You know it's a Liverpool team, where I think if we lose Harry, there's no like for like. There is no there's no one can do that role. You lose Do oh, geez, I don't want to say Doherty. You lose um, Emerson, you bring Doherty in, not like for like. There's no kind of culture and identity with the club where I think even if you personnel aside, you can you could do this with academy players. That's what Liverpool do. That's what Man City have done. I'm not going to say Chelsea because they haven't, but even Arsenal, I know we make fun. Like Arteta has an identity with them. It might not be successful all the time, but they're using kids. They're not using the big names. They've dumped the big names, right? Um, And I think that's what Conte needs to get to. Whereas if Benton Cole gets injured, Skip can go in and do the same thing. Um, Son can do the same thing as Lucas Moura I think that's where they need to get to and that's the problem is there one hasn't been the players where you can drop someone put them in but the second piece is there isn't a culture with the team I would say culture there isn't a, a style and identity with the team where it's people are on the same page like you said players coming in like a young academy kid you, you don't want to be coming in right now because it's it's tense it's not organized it's not it's not where it needs to be um so do,
0: do you think yeah. our do, do you think our academy uh is also like a problem for us because as you mentioned there like Liverpool like they just trust these kids when they come in and I think I think as well they're probably around the first team an awful lot and so and those junior teams probably play a very similar system to what the the first team use but like with, with us like we don't seem like we don't seem to have a history anymore of like bringing through like like players like from the academy. Um, you know, like you, you look at as you mentioned there with, with Liverpool, like Nico Williams, they've got like Matt Phillips, they've got um like even Trent Alexander Arnold came in, he was the exact same. So like do you think do you think our academy needs a lot
2: of work too? Yeah, I think if you look at one, uh, what, what in the my kind of professional position I mean now I've been doing lots of reading on kind of club development, academy development, player kind of promotion, all the, all that kind of academy type kind of pieces um, and when Paul Mitchell left Tottenham a couple of years ago that one went under the radar big time I think he went Monaco maybe um, and I think he has some links with Man City and Monaco I don't, I don't know where he is now but he was the one absolutely running the academy system when it was both Harry's when it was Skip um, and the young kids coming in like even you look at Alfie Whiteman backup keeper like that kind of generation of academy players the u23s now that are kind of failing at the end of their careers but the academy was flying and i know that in the in the local area anyway the, the the smaller clubs around it whether it's geez i know i was reading some the other day saying uh Danganham and Redbridge, stevenage like these academies now are getting the uh the development levels they need that they can compete with the likes of tottenham which to me just baffles me like these kids are choosing being a scholar at stevenage instead of being a scholar at tottenham right and it's because i think the academy system is failing. Um, I know Paul Mitchell was a big, big name. And when he left, it, it kind of disrupted things. Most people wouldn't see that from the outside unless you're really, really looking in. Um, but I think, yeah, from ground up, like we haven't, I know Harry's obviously a golden golden boy, but outside of Kane, there hasn't been really many academy players that on come and done it. Troy Parrott, obviously he's, I think he's back with, the Milton Keynes now? Yeah. Or is he, yeah, I know Wimbledon and Milton Keynes, one of them, he's with them. Yeah, he's young He come off injuries and everything. I know he's done it well for, uh, for Ireland as well, but he hasn't really done what he was supposed to like Harry was. Winksy, love him. Is he really a, a top product that kind of could be a game changer? No, not really. Skip, I think he could be. Um, I like him. I rate him. He's... I think he's a golden boy, but outside of that, the academy for the money, the geez, look at the facilities they have now—it's it's not where it needs to be. Um, and let you, let back going back to that whole culture and identity thing, the academy system doesn't seem like players can come straight out and go back in. Um, under Mourinho and a Nuno, even under Conte, the kids that are on the bench when they're coming on, they're not really doing anything, um, and that's that's a shame to see because the Liverpool ones is the opposite—that you get excited when they bring those kids on, right? Yeah. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's it, it in my mind it's failing, but you could have win always tied failure, right? Like if we have three of these kids that come through and start next season, we'll say the academy is success. So it's a tough one to say, but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, geez, <laughs> this whole thing was supposed to cheer us up. But yeah, I know, I know yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's not great. But again, who knows, 18 months down the road, we could be uh, saying the complete it's, opposite, it, right? it just, so,
0: just, just to me, like not to be a Debbie Downer again, sorry, but yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, like, like there's
2: always like a rumor of a player, like I remember
0: when Marcus Edwards was, uh, was in the, the academy and was kind of getting towards and yep. Josh Josh Newman and stuff like that. There's so much buzz around them, you know, and, and but there's nobody really that stands out. There's, you don't hear those rumors anymore. Whereas with Liverpool, there's always like a little bit of a you know, this kid's been this kid's incredible, and then he comes on, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of odd. And I, and I think it's as well, like, it's it's us too, we want success, like, we're hungry for trophies, and if they start throwing kids in, it's probably going to be like toxic too that we're like, boy the hell you bring on kids, we need more established players. Well um yeah Ollie, it's been miserable talking to you. Um <laughs> I, pre- yeah, I, I appreciate you games. I appreciate you making me uh like very very sad. But uh, just just I guess <laughs> I guess the, the big question um do you think we can still make the, the top four by the end of the season?
2: <laughs> yes, in the sense that I still think the teams around us there's there's many other teams outside Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, I think they're They've got top three, obviously, nailed down. Chelsea, I know they've absolutely bopped us this month, um, past month, but I still think they're shaky in a sense. Um, And we're close to them when it comes to games in hand, so we could still even put a chase on them. Man U, obviously, they've they've got problems of their own, bigger problems the last couple of days. Um, And I think the other clubs around us, um, I don't think they pose too much of a threat, so fingers crossed. Um, but I, I look at the likes of Brighton, I look at the likes of Wolves right now. Like they, I, I see them putting a charge it as well. It just depends who, uh, who cocks up the least. We'll say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, man, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. Um, we also have uh, a, a new supporters' club here in Nova Scotia too. So um, I, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to get out and watch a couple of games where. I never, I never thought I'd meet other Tottenham fans here in, in Canada. So uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, I th- appreciate. Uh, thanks for having me. And like I said, it'd be good to uh, pull everyone when I see the uh, Tottenham kits walking around Halifax into uh, one room.
1: So oh. far.